Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. So what I want to do this morning is just look at God's Word and read it first, then go back and break it down. And I really want to define what it means, because we're going to read about, it's going to say commandment. Throughout these verses we're going to read, it's going to talk about darkness and light and hate. And it's going to talk about relationships within the church. It's very important as a church that we show love to one another. Because out there in the world, people are out for themselves. People are out to get one another. There's uh, your motivation for doing certain things. is all selfish. But we as a church, we have to show God's light. We have to live God's light. And so I prayed as we go through the scriptures this morning that he would show us that. And that we would grow and change in our walks within ourselves and within our church, that we may be able to love one another the way the scriptures tells us to love, right? So let's, if he's going to put the scriptures up, First John chapter 2, verse 7 says this, and I'm reading out of the ESV, but this is in the New King James. It says, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is not, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him, Jesus, and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness And walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. That's the word of God. So what I want to do first is define this definition. So John is writing this letter to refute bad theology, bad teaching to this church because they are in a place where they have, they basically... Some people in the church have left the church, and now there's rumors going around stating that they have the true light, and the people that's left in the church are still in darkness. But that's not what... If you weren't here for the other teachings that I did in the book of First John, I go through the background, who John is teaching to, and why he's writing this letter is to refute wrong theology, wrong teaching towards this new church. And he wants this church to grow. He's telling this church, you guys have left Jesus. If there's not a Jesus in your, if, if Jesus is not in the midst of what you're teaching, you, what are you there for? Because he is the one that we come to. Like I said, we don't come to a religion, right? We don't come to rule, set of rules and regulations. We come to a person. And sometimes we as believers forget that. We come to a person. And it's very important that we realize that. He says in 1 John 2, 7, he says, Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. So John is telling them, hey, this is the commandment I'm telling you. To love God, love people, 
and to live radically for Jesus. And that's our core values here, if you don't know that. To love God, to love people, and live radically for Jesus. And so if Jesus is not in the equation, equation you have lost, you have, what, what, what are we coming to? We're not coming to Jesus, we're coming to rules and regulations, we're coming to religion. And, and John wants to make these guys realize that this is the commandment that you heard from me, John. I walked with Jesus, I lived with Jesus, I've seen him perform miracles, I've seen him raise people from the dead, and this Jesus was alive. He wasn't a facade or a fake or a spirit. He actually lived, and I lived with him. And he wants to make sure that he understands that. And he's telling them, he's telling them, that this is what Jesus told us to command his disciples, to command his apostles to do, is to love. It's, it's simple. It's to love. That is the commandment. When you break down all the commandments, and we can look. Now, I want to take this commandment, and I want to go back to the Old Testament, right? So, the Ten Commandments, also known as the Ten Laws in the Bible that God gave to the nation of Israel shortly after they left Egypt from the Exodus. If you all seen the movie, we saw Moses go up in the mountains. God gives him the Ten Commandments. So the Ten Commandments are essentially a summary of 613 commandments contained in the Old Testament. And if you don't believe me, you could go read it, and they added commandment after commandment after commandment. When you count it down to 613, but God said, simplicity, 10. With the 10, they made all these other commandments, and it's 613. Isn't that crazy? And we even do it today. We put commands on other people. We put commands on what, what it means to look like a Christian. When simply, we just follow the main, the ultimate commandment is to love people. But we have to define what that love is. So the first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. In the Ten Commandments, right? The last six commandments deal with our relationship with one another, with other people. So the Ten Commandments are recorded in the Bible in Exodus. If you get a chance, look at Exodus chapter 20. Just read that chapter. It covers the whole uh, Ten Commandments, the law. And Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 6 to 21. And in a nutshell, I just want to break these commandments down real quickly. And it, it will be a good background for us what is Jesus talking to when he when he appears in the New Testament, right? So the first commandment he gives is you shall have no other gods before me. So this command is against worshiping any other God other than the true God. As we can see, when God delivered Israel out of Egypt, they started looking at other nations and they wanted what the other nations wanted. And God says in, this, in the first commandment, it says, do not, make, do not make any other gods before me. I am the one true God. I am the one you should follow. The second commandment was you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven or in heaven above or the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord God, am a jealous God. Did you know God is a jealous God? He's jealous for you. And the reason why he's jealous for you is because he sent his, his only begotten son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you and I. So he's a jealous God. He wants you to experience the best for your life. And that sounds like something, a sermon that we've heard. He wants the best for your life, and the only best for your life is that we know God and we love God. 
So this command is, is against making any idol a visible representation of God. There is no image we can create that can accurately portray God, right? To make an idol to represent God is to worship a false God. And we see that in many different religions, even today's day. We see it in many different religions. There's, other, there's religions out there that created their own gods. And God is telling them, I am the one true God that you should be following. In the third commandment, he says, in, out of the ten, he says, you shall not misuse or take the Lord's name in vain. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. That's very important. This is a command against taking the name of the Lord in vain. We are not to use, treat God's name lightly. How many of us do that in our walks, in the way that we live? When you represent God and you just blatantly sin or we blatantly walk in habitual sin, we're using God's name in vain. And God says, don't do that. We are to show reverence to God by only mentioning him in respectful in honoring ways. And how many people of today's age just hate God with a passion? We see it on the, we see it on TV. We see it in the news. They want to take God out of everything. Take him out of schools. You know, we can talk about any other prophet besides Jesus. And they're taking the, the Lord God's name in vain. They want to take him out of everything. The fourth commandment, commandment out of the ten is, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. So this is a command to set aside the Sabbath day, which is Saturday for the Jewish, right? Because their ending week is Saturday. So this is, this is the day of Saturday. And we even have religions, we even have, you know, some of the body of Christ that celebrates specifically is just Saturday. Saturday is the ultimate day. But they missed it. Saturday is the day of rest. And Jesus fulfilled that when he came and he died. We don't find our rest on, in a day. The Sabbath was made for you and I. We weren't made for the Sabbath. So, and he's telling, and he's telling the people of Israel, Jesus He's telling us, the church, that Jesus is our Sabbath today, right? He completed that. Verse 5, it says, um, commandment number 5, it says, Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land of your, in the land the Lord your God is giving you. This is a command to always treat one's parents with honor and respect. And what do we see in today's family? Kids don't treat, you know, there's, I remember when I was growing up, and this is, uh, you know, growing up in a Samoan church and we had to memorize verses in Samoan and English because our parents didn't want us to fade away from our culture and stuff. And this is one of the verses my mom always, like, you guys, and we remember this verse. And he would, uh, it, my parents, well, specifically my mother always did it in a way like, if you don't honor your father or your mother... And I took it like, oh, man, it was a threatening thing. So I never wanted to disrespect my parents. And what do we see in today's culture? Kids don't respect, even in the church, parents. We as parents, if you're a parent this morning, 
and you're in charge of little ones, bringing them up, you have to raise your kids according to the word of God. You can't let them just do whatever they want to do. You're not their friend, right? We're not their friends. We're their parents. Eventually, as they grow up and mature, they become friends. But we have to do a due diligence to the word of God to bring them up to respect you, to respect society. And that's the reason why there's so many crimes out there committed, even in our religious city of Lubbock, Texas. We see it on the news all the time. Teenagers shooting other teenagers. Kids committing murder. Robbery. Teenagers. There's no honor in the family. And we have to be separated from the world that we have to navigate our families according to the word of God. The commandment number six, it says you shall not murder. That's pretty easy. Don't kill anybody. (laughs) You should not murder. And God makes it plainly. This command is against premeditated murder. If you, you know, he says don't murder. Command eight, do not steal. Don't steal. We could try to complicate all that. Oh, you know, let God speak to your heart about that. Even though it's a little white lie, steal, you know what it is. Come on, your conscience, your conscience will tell you, you know what, that, that's not right. It's convicting. Don't steal. Commandment number nine is don't lie. You should not give false testimony against your neighbor. This is a command prohibiting testifying against another person falsely. Essentially, it's lying. It's against lying, right? And the tenth commandment he, uh, that was written down, it says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant, his maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Of course, this is back in that day, in Israel's day, and then we can relate it to us. Don't covet what your neighbor has. Oh, he's got a shiny car, clothes, he's got the newest fashion, newest shoes, right? Or whatever it is. Oh, he's got the latest gun. You know, we're here in Texas. Oh, he's got the latest guns. You know, I have people at my work, and they're into all that. Guns and big trucks, hunting. It says don't covet. Don't covet those things. This is a command against desiring anything that is not one's own. Coveting can lead to breaking one of the commandments listed above. If you covet something, eventually your mind is in there, you're thinking about it, thinking about it, and then you end up committing those sins that were before. Murder. You want to murder them because how many murder mysteries we've seen that we've uh, watched that, you know, Oh, they had the latest thing, and all of a sudden, the guy's murder, and because of what? Because the guy coveted his wife, his uh, money, his whatever. 
Coveting can lead to breaking one of the commandments listed above, murder, adultery, and theft. It's wrong to do something. It is wrong to desire to do the same something. So if it's wrong to murder, steal, and do all that stuff, we shouldn't be thinking about it. We shouldn't covet those things, right? So many people mistakenly look at the Ten Commandments as a set of rules. That's why we look at it. It's a set of rules. And if they keep these rules, they think that it guarantees them entrance into heaven, which is, which is totally not true because none of us can keep the law. None of us can keep the law. But the total opposite, the total, the contracts is the opposite. The purpose of the Ten Commandments, the purpose of the law that we just went over is to force us to realize that we can't keep these laws and that we need Jesus, right? We need Jesus. The Ten Commandments is to force people to realize that they cannot perfectly obey the law, as Romans chapter 7, 7 through 11 tells us. And therefore, we need God's mercy and grace, every single one of us. Back then, way back then, when God gave the Ten to Israel, we need it. We need God's provision in our lives because we can't keep these. So the Ten Commandments demonstrates that we have all sinned, as Romans 3.23 says, we have all sinned. Sin is just simply missing the mark. We're born into the sinful nature because of Adam and his sin. When you're born, you're a sinner. You're born a sinner. That's why the Bible teaches us that once you are born again from heaven above, you become one of God's children. Supernaturally, God's, God seals us with his Holy Spirit and we're part of his. And we thank God for that, right? So we're talking about commandments. And then Jesus appears in the scene. And if you notice, it says back in First uh, John 2, 7, Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. In 2, verse 8, it says, At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you. In Jesus and in us, this new commandment is true. Now, let's look at what Jesus says is the greatest commandment. So this is the new commandment. We're, we looked at the Ten Commandments in the past, the law. Nobody can keep it. Jesus appears on the scene. He's the only one that fulfilled it. And what is the greatest commandment? Jesus was asked this very question by a Pharisee who was considered to be an expert in the law. And we saw this in uh, Matthew chapter 22 as Pastor Ben was going through it. We, uh, we know this because of... He says, Jesus answered this Pharisee, and the Pharisee was telling him, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of all these 600-something commandments? What commandment are we supposed to keep in order to enter into heaven? And Jesus says this. Jesus answered him and said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depends on these two commandments. Matthew 22, 37 to 40. So everything in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, all the regulations and all the laws and all those things they added to it comes down to this. Love God, love people. Ain't that amazing? 
Love God and love people. Quit trying to mess that up. Love God and love people. Jesus gives us two commandments that summarize all the laws and commands and scriptures, right? The Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, which we just went over, deal with our relationship with God and then our relationship with other people. One naturally flows with the other. When you're loving God, you will ultimately love people more than your, your flesh can love people. It's a supernatural love that God gives each one of us to love other people. So without a right relationship with God, our relationship with other people will not be right either, right? The cause of the world's problem is that man needs to be reconciled to God. Ain't that true? That's why the world is so messed up. It will continue to be messed up until Jesus comes back and sets his kingdom right. I don't care what government is out there. They're not going to they're not going to have the perfect government. They're fallen. So all of man's best efforts towards world peace will fall as long as men are living in the rebellion against God. All of our best efforts, everything that we do, will never measure up. And when asked by another Pharisee how one could inherit eternal life to Jesus, Jesus answered that it is by keeping these two commandments. That we just went over. Only two commandments to obey. Yet how often do we, like the Pharisees, try to justify our behaviors to make us look good, to make us feel good when it was completed in Jesus? When we consider what Jesus says about these, these two commands, Jesus' answer was really a perfect response, not only to the Pharisee of his day, but also to the people of this world today, right? Because let's admit it, we could be Pharisees here in church. We could be, we can cover up a lot of stuff that we need to deal with, but we just put it under the carpet because you don't want to deal with it. And that's not how God wants us to live. While we never keep God's commandments or be righteous before him by our own efforts, right? Christ did it for us. His sacrificial death on the cross that causes our sins to be imputed on him. And his righteousness to be imputed on us. And we see that throughout the book of Romans. Specifically, that's talking about Romans 4 and 5. It's called the great exchange. The great exchange. Jesus, sinless, perfect man. We, sinners, he imputed, he put forth his righteousness on us. And our sin killed him. You and I, think about your sins this week. Yeah, that killed our Lord and Savior. Your sin, my sin, that's what killed Jesus. But he cleansed us, so we, sh- we shouldn't have a behavior of wanting to sin or hurt him.
Okay, let's go back to First uh, John, if you want to pull those scriptures up. And then I want to, now that we see the Ten Commandments, Jesus said, what is the ultimate, what is the greatest commandment? We, are, we all understand that, right? We know what it is. Okay, now I want to put boots on the ground and really understand what that means. When he talks about, in 1 John 2, 9, he says, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no, dark, there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness, walks in darkness, and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. We as believers could be part of God's family, but we still walk in darkness, right? We can't. And how do we do that? We sin against God and we sin against other people. You're in darkness. And God is telling us, John is telling us through these scriptures that, hey, when you gave your life to Jesus, Jesus came in and radically changed you. You are in the light. Now you are in the light. But slowly as you mature as a believer, as you grow up as a believer, those darkness that's in you, Maybe you haven't learned how to behave yet as a Christian because you're not in the word. As we grow more and more in Jesus, in his word, we begin to see what the Bible tells us what's right and wrong. And we can look at the outside behaviors, we can modify those things, but it comes down to the heart, to our motivation of why we do the things that we do. We can behave like good believers, but when we show up and we have bad hearts, bad attitudes, you're harboring bitterness, you're holding on to these things that God wants to heal you from so that way we could take step forward in our walk with God, not only with God, but with one another, right? The more light, the more Jesus that you have in you, the more of the darkness that gets exposed in your life. The more that we realize the darkness that we're in, we come to the light. Because Jesus says, I am the light. You, you have been harboring bitterness or whatever situation towards other people or towards one another or somebody in the church family. Come to the light. Now that I have told you about motives and issues of your heart, come to the light. Don't hold on to those things. Now I really want to put this... Boots on the ground, what I, what I want to call it, is what does that look like? What does that look like? What does keeping commandments, walking in the light, not being in darkness, what does that look like? Great you ask. Let's go to Romans chapter 12, one of my favorite chapters throughout the whole book of the Bible. It is very, very awesome. As we go through the scriptures, as Mike pulls them up, Let's look at this and let, let's have God speak to us this morning about this is what a behavior of what we as believers, we as the people of God should look like. Let God take what his word tells us and whatever struggles we have in these areas, let's deal with it, right? Let's deal with it. So let's look at it. It says in verse 9 of Romans chapter 12, let love be without hypocrisy. 
That is very, very important. What is that saying there? Let love, in some of your Bibles it says, let love be genuine. It's very interesting he uses the word hypocrisy here. You know, because there's a, the church is known for hypocrites. Oh, I don't go to that church because there are a bunch of hypocrites. Yes, we are recovering hypocrites. There's room for you. (laughs) Come on in. We all are recovering hypocrites here. Love is to be sincere, to be genuine. The real thing without hypocrisy. When I think of hypocrisy, I think of somebody who's two-faced. Specifically, fake. The Bible tells us right here, let love be without hypocrisy. Basically, don't fake your love. When you're faking your love, you're not being true to God. You know, we just had the trunk or treat, and I, I would gather there was a bunch of kids with masks on, right? And then this is basically, in, in the illustration I want to use is, these people have masks. They're not their true selves when they come and love other people. And Paul's telling us, love without hypocrisy. When you're loving somebody, really love them. Don't just talk about you love somebody, and if there's a need there, yes, brother, I hope you get your need answered or meet or whatever. Really love the person. Love without a mask. How w- It'll be interesting if we all came through that door coming to church and we all have our mask that we wear throughout the week or, or we attend church and we have the mask You're not feeling okay, but you have the mask. And why do we have the mask? We want to make sure that everybody else knows that we we want to fit in. Because we come to church and we think everybody's okay here. Oh yeah, everybody's at church is okay. Everybody's at church is struggling with something. You may have had a bad week financially. You're going through a medical thing. But we want to put on this mask. You're hurting, but we want to put on this mask and we want to put on this fake love that, that we're okay. When the Bible, when God's clearly telling us, be genuine with your love and how you love people. That opens up intimacy with God, doesn't it? Who really knows you? My wife really knows me. We've been married 20 plus years. And she always tells me, you act so different when you're at church than you're at home. (laughs) Ouch! That is true. Two-faced hypocrite. I'm recovering. So are you. Because your spouse knows you better than any of us. And if she was out here, let's give an account for him. We'll be like, I don't even know you. You had a mask on the whole time. 
Be genuine. Love without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. So this love that we love, we need to not fake our love. Also, we need to really hate what gets in the way of love, right? We need to hate those things that get in the way of us really expressing genuine, true love to other people. And I can think of myself, the sins that are in my heart, the, the struggles that I have loving other people. I have this certain... uh uh certain way of looking at people and putting them in my box of Christianity, what they're supposed to look like. And if you're not in that box, then there's like, you know, you've already preconceived your notions, your judgments on a certain believer when you don't even know them. They got a mask on just like you have a mask on. We as the people of God, when we come to church, we need to take those masks off. Mask of shame. Mask of guilt, mask of pride, mask of I think I know it all. (laughs) Love is to be sincere and active, the real thing, without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil. Detest all ungodliness. Do not tolerate wickedness. Hold on tightly to what is good. God tells us to hold on to what is good. What is good in our kingdom, we need to fight and hold on to those things. Verse 10, it says, be devoted to one another with brotherly affection as members of one family, giving preference to one another, outdo one another in good works. This is what love looks like. When 1 John, when we read that, walking in the light, keeping the commandments, this is what it looks like. This is what Jesus modeled while he was here on the earth. This is what it looks like, guys. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, as verse 10 says. Outdo one another. Verse 11 says, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We all should serve the Lord. That's our ministry. If you're here on this earth and you're breathing, you're serving God. Right? And how often do we do as believers, you know, when there's a certain ministry or a certain thing that needs to be done, where's our fervency, where's our sense of urgency to get along with what God is doing, coming alongside, helping out? You know, we as a small body... Everybody here is so serving, so loving. When there's something that needs to be done, we try to come together as a small body. And Joe knows this. He's been around long enough. And he's, every single time we have something like the Thanksgiving dinner that's coming on, we all get together and try to serve one another in God. Because we want to outdo. We want to serve. We want to honor one another. That's what love looks like. Now take it to your home life. That's what love looks like. You want to serve your spouse. You want to honor them. The most important people in our lives are the ones we don't serve. That's deep. I can be up here preaching to you, but if I'm not expressing that in my actions towards 
people in my house, specifically for my wife and daughter, I'm a hypocrite. I've got the facade. I've got a mask. I need to throw that off. It's convicting. In verse 12, it says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continue steadfastly in prayer. 13, it says, Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. That's what love looks like. Being hospitable, serving one another, creating friendships within the church. Who do you know here in the church? Who can you go out with to have lunch with and get to know and live life together? Verse 14, it says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You know, we in a, we as the people of God, it says right there, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. It's a sad thing when that happens within the church. Have you ever felt persecuted in a church setting? That's why people jump from church to church. Because they don't feel that authentic love that God tells them, that God tells each one of us to love with. Verse 15, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Don't think too highly of yourself, right? Be humble. And I thank God my dad modeled this for us as his kids growing up. He was a very humble man. Always putting the needs of others first. So my dad had, there's really my biological siblings, there's five of us. And so throughout me growing up, we've always taken other people in. And our household has always been like 10 plus, plus my parents, you know what it is. It's like the island culture. We just keep taking people in, no matter how economically unprepared we were he humbled this i saw his christianity lived out with his humility and with his love for family members and for other people taking them in and just even though we struggle with bills they struggle paying the bills and but i saw him i saw them do it that is the type of love that attracts other people In verse 17, it says, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Repay no one evil for evil. That's very hard. You know, if somebody comes and steals my car, I can't go and steal his car. That's repaying evil for evil. But we know we have a righteous judge, our Heavenly Father, Jesus. Our Heavenly Father is the ultimate judge. He is more fair than you are. The Bible tells us don't repay evil for evil. 
Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. In 17. So we are to repay no one evil for evil. But before we act, we must think of our actions. That's what Paul is telling us here. Before you act, think about what you're about to do. Because if somebody does evil to you, and you want to go evil, you know, do evil back to them, what's the, you just, you just represented God wrong. In verse 18, if it is possible as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. That is our instruction as far as being here on this earth is we should pursue peace in all our relationships within the church and with outside of the church. No matter how much people or situations have overcome you, we should always pursue peace. But he specifically tells us as much as depends on you. There's going to come a time where you, you know, peace is not the answer. You just have to separate yourself. You know, I'm thinking about a marriage and the husband or the wife is very abusive and it gets physically as a believe, if you're a believer, you need to remove yourself from that. Because you did everything you can to bring peace, but this now it's getting to a place where, you know, you could be hurt physically. The Word of God tells us as much as depends on you. As much as depends on you, pursue peace. Eighteen, if it is possible, as much depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Verse 19, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to the wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, now here is uh, specifically what God is telling us to do with our enemies. If they are hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Ain't that interesting? And Jesus modeled this. He was on the cross. Remember, before he went to the cross, Father, if there's any other way for me to save people, please get me out of this situation, but I want to be obedient. And it, when it comes to injustice, we have to give those things and trust that God's going to take care of it. Even... If you're, even if you're not the beneficial of what's going on, trust God. Because even though it may not be judged here on this earth or this lifetime, it will be judged. And we have to trust God. So what do we do with our enemy? We love them by our actions. Feed them. Give them something to drink. Verse 21, as we close this out, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome and conquered by evil, but overcome evil with good. Listen, God has given each one of us his Holy Spirit. Supernaturally, you can overcome a lot of stuff if we just allow the Spirit of God to move in our hearts and be healed from the brokenness or the relationship or whatever. God has gifted us 
the Holy Spirit in order for us to have strength to overcome those things, right? And we must trust God in those things. So we saw in 1 John chapter 2, the verses we covered, talks about light, talks about darkness. We talked about the Ten Commandments, and then we saw that Jesus gave us the ultimate commandment to follow, and that's to love God, love people. And then we saw what that means as far as action-wise. If you get a chance this week, just reread Romans chapter 12 over and over again. That's what it means to love. That's what it means to love. As the worship team comes up, as we close out, I want to encourage you, if any of these things here that we have a struggle with loving, don't, don't you love that in 12, 12, 9, let love be without hypocrisy? <laughs> that, that's a word picture I cannot get out of my mind. Let love be without hypocrisy. We have our masks as we come into this building. God is telling you and I this morning, take your mask off. If there's guilt, if you're not okay, it's okay not to be okay, as Pastor Brandon always says. None of us here are perfect. Let's be authentic with our love. You know, I'm a very straightforward kind of guy. There's like black and white. There's no in-between with me. And you could tell my wife that. And sometimes God uses my brothers and sisters here because when I communicate something, it comes across like it must be my sales background from being the oldest child and being raised up in the Samoan family. It comes across like, man, he's very stern. He's very hard. But it's just a form of communication that I have to tone down, right? That I have to tone down and remember that you're my brothers and sisters. The things that you do to hurt me, the things that I do to hurt you, we all have the same father. Your father and my father is in heaven. And I have to remember that being in this church, being in the position that I'm in, and God is working those things through me. And he's working those things through you. And I think my prayer for our church is to really be authentic with our Christianity, right? If you're hurting this morning, we can pray for you. Joe's the elder. Uh, Mike is an elder. If you guys want to come up here, right here, if you are hurting this morning... I want you to be authentic with your walk this morning. If you feel guilt, shame, take those off. I want you to feel authentic this morning. Jesus sees the real you without the masks that we put on. It's useless for us to be up here and we have masks and doing worship. We're being fakers, posers, right, Anthony? If we're up here doing this, and in our relationship with other believers, especially within this family, it's not right. We're faking. We're faking. We're fake loving. 
God is telling us, let's, let's throw that down. So we can grow in our love for God first and foremost. And when God gives us that, we can love each other without the mask. Right? Can we love without the mask? Can we be real? Let's pray. We'll close this out. And Joel will be up here. I will be up here. Let's just pray for one another. We all need his love. Father, I thank you so much for your word this morning, God. I thank you that you are direct direct with us regarding what love looks like. And we see that in Romans chapter 12, Father. We thank you that your love is not fake. Your love is real and it penetrates the heart. God, if we're in here and we have these masks and we're faking our Christianity, forgive us, Father. Forgive us for coming in here and thinking that we're okay when we're not. And we harbor this bitterness towards other believers, towards other kids of yours. Forgive us for thinking that we're the it when it comes to the way a Christian is supposed to be. God, I would pray that you would cleanse us from bitterness, from being judgmental, from being selfish. That we would throw the masks. That we would love you without hypocrisy. That we would love one another without hypocrisy, God. That your love is real. I pray that we as a church would live those things out. Thank you, God, that when we do fail, you're there. That we can run to you and be reminded that we are loved by you. Please help us as a church. To love one another the way that you called us to. As the worship team sings this last song, I just want you to reflect on how much God loves you. Reflect on your life of where you came from and how we were in darkness and he saved us. And for God to speak to you about the issues that you have. Really living out to be a Christian. Talk to your father. We're up here if you want to come up and pray. Let us humble ourselves. Let us humble ourselves and come before God. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.